Welcome to Linux Link Radio by TimeSys, a podcast for embedded Linux developers. Hi, this is Machi Halash with TimeSys, and I have with me um, Gene Sally. Hi there. Uh, sorry I missed our last uh, episode, Gene. Um, I was again on the road. Um, but I heard that you did a fantastic job well, there. That, that makes one. That makes one person. <laughs> Um, so today we're going to uh, continue to some extent um, uh, one topic or several topics that you started last time, and today we're going to talk about the uh, code analysis tools. Yeah, well, well I, I know the the uh, last webinar um, webinar podcast. I sort of mumbled on about uh, different kind of tools and picking the right tool for your job. And one of the things we want to talk about for this series is to discuss, you know, what kinds of tools. And what certain tools do attack certain problems. And the problem that we're going to attack for tools this time around is code analysis. Mm -hmm. And um, probably you talked during the last podcast about um, development tools, um, per se, IDEs and and, and what a developer would... No, 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 no. I talked a lot about my my collection of power tools. I didn't didn't get to talk about my Sawzall, but... (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> Which is my favorite, but well, but uh, I didn't in that a, topic. Going back to our to our actually podcast, Gene. Oh, sorry. <laughs> um, the, uh, the there are several tools that um, every developer in the Linux world would have in their yeah. in their you know, little area where they play with Linux. Uh-huh. Um, and there are development tools. There are debugging mm-hmm. tools. There mm-hmm. are uh, funny tools that allow them to uh, pick into uh, the code. For various various optimizations or, or, or bug tracking yeah. purposes, right? Yeah, yeah. And you can do that using uh, probably hardware assisted um, process with mm-hmm. JTAG. Yeah. But um, in most cases, or well, I'm not sure if in most cases we yeah. we're going to talk about it a bit more. Um, the um, you want to actually take a look at uh, the execution flow of your of your application and and maybe see. Um, What's going on? How would a uh, memory gets allocated? And uh, yeah. that's what we're going to focus yeah. on today. One of the things I wanted to point out is that there's, there's a lot of bugs you can code uh, that you really can't find with a debugger. Uh, you, know, st- you know, something like a single stepping through your code is a very ineffective tool for finding you know, an out of bounds problem, and it's a very uh, ineffective tool for finding. Right. Uh, you know, whenever you're touching a global, you know, inappropriate you know, at the wrong spot. So. Um, when people talk about the bugging tools, frequently the what first comes to mind is the debugger they sit in front of and pipe, you know, next step, step mm-hmm. next, and look at the memory. But there are a lot of other tools you can run against your code that will, you know, debug common, you know, semantic coding problems. Um, right. Plus, uh, <clears throat> when you are a developer, you got certain habits as to how you write code, oh, yeah. which uh, you know might be actually an excellent habit and might speed up your development um, time and mm-hmm. and, and mm-hmm. how you write code. But it might not be efficiently optimized by the compiler. Sure. Or, for example, the memory allocations might not happen as you as you thought they are happening. Correct. Right. So, or you know, other other problems where you just don't realize, you know, be how your program behaves um, because it's big enough and complex enough that you you really don't know where that inner loop is. Right. I, I, I don't know. Back back when I was first learning how to do. Uh, coding for real, right? When uh, my boss told me, "It's like your program is only as fast as the inner loop," hmm. and I thought, "Hmm, interesting. What is concept. he talking about?" <laughs> <laughs> and then, then after a while, it sort of gelled on me uh, as to what that meant, and that's where I found profiling tools to you know to come in handy because most times with something reasonably complex, you don't know where your inner loop is, mm-hmm. um, and then when you're dealing with other systems, 
sometimes you're unaware of where the delay is because it's you know, out of your control with respect to you being a, a, a systems, pro, you know, an application yeah. programmer. I mean, you might find yourself waiting in some routine mm-hmm. for a while only because that does a call out to set up a socket or something else. And without that, you know, without having a tool that does some of that analysis for you, uh, finding it just by looking at the code is almost is, impossible. Yeah, it's almost impossible. Yeah, you're biased because at that stage, you, you believe that, you know, your code is 100% correct. Oh, sure. And um, it's very difficult to find that inner loop, right? And, yeah. Uh, it sounds like your previous boss actually uh, did some research on those code analysis tools that, that we talked, that we are going to talk about today. Well, this this is way old school. This is uh, back when, you well, know, the, so, your inner loop was this thick thing of punch cards, I think. It's well, that just... Uh, shows um, how all this kind of problem is and yeah. um, for how long those uh, analysis tools have been around. Yeah. Um, so we're going to talk about two separate groups yeah. of analysis um, tools, right? Mm-hmm. Um, and I think that in, in our previous discussion, I mean, offline, not during the podcast, you yeah. identify them as um, dynamic and static tools. Yeah, for code analysis. Yeah, they, that's the bucket they tend to fall into. Um, it's a, and, you know, the dynamic tools are, things that look at your code while it's running. And the static codes, static tools never run the code, but they look at it and find out and ferret out errors that are fairly common. Do they actually find the same types of issues or um, are they used for different um, purposes? Well, there's, there is some overlap. Um, some of them, some of the tools look for things like null dereferences, which you can find either, it's easy to find them during runtime, right? Yeah. <laughs> That's when your program goes boom, right? But they do look for, you know, they do look, for, there is some overlap because there's some const- constructs you can see, it, you can see them in the code before it ever runs. Mm-hmm. Um, and then you can also see it as it runs. So right. things like, um, in the, in the, uh, Bits that do instrumentation, like you pointed out, there are tools. Oh, here, let, me, let me name a few so I can talk okay. about them. So we sure. just reference them. Um, there are three of them which are the the biggies with respect to dynamic analysis. Dynamic analysis. Uh, okay. That are. I guess the other thing I wanted to point out is tool wise. I wanted to bow my conversation just to just to things that are you know free tools, mm-hmm. you know, licensed under GPL. Yep. There's a lot of commercial tools that do this as well. Right. Some of them arguably do the job a little bit better mm-hmm. uh, than the than the free tools. Uh, but let's just stick to the free tools. Uh, well, and I think that, that free tools actually consider, well, cover the same functionality as the commercial tools. Mm-hmm. It's just that sometimes because they cover, well, maybe even wider functionality than commercial tools, they are they don't have that focus and, and, and make the use a bit more difficult. Yeah. But, yeah. That's what, so the, the three biggies that you find with dynamic analysis for I want to say uh, for uh, like memory leaking is Electric Fence and Patrol and Valgren. Mm, and, interesting names. <laughs> uh, yeah, all, all, yeah, all all cool names. As as a matter of fact, I wanted to make sure. Um, this is uh, believe it or not, we actually do do research, <laughs> <laughs> as we've managed to deceive our audience otherwise. But um, uh, they've been out there for a while, and and Valgren is actually a, a, a quite an impressive tool. And I look at it it's spelled V A L G R I N D. And you say it grinned as in smiling. <laughs> and so I have been mispronouncing that uh, my entire uh, Valgrind using career. So is, is there um, like a open source project, I assume, that um, where you can go and um, find out more about what Valgrind yeah, all th- is? Yeah all, th- yeah, all three of these are separate um, open source projects. Is it Valgrind.org? Um, you know what? If you just search for Valgrind, yeah. you'll, you'll find it. I, I can't remember. I, I know I typed up some notes. Uh, which of course I didn't bring with me. 
So, uh, but anyway, yeah. But yeah, if you search, you, you'll search, you'll find Valgrind. Same with M Patrol. So, um, I, how does it work? I mean, how, how does, um, let's talk about Valgrind, for example. And I have an application that um, uh, my boss has asked me to optimize because um, uh, my model that I've developed um, does not meet certain performance requirements and um, consumes more time than um, or mm -hmm. memory than um, I'm supposed to. So let's let's do a division right here. So okay. I, so let's look at the dynamics for the dynamic tools. I did want to talk about some of them as being memory checkers, mm -hmm. and then some of them be, some of them as being performance analyzers. Okay, so uh, that's okay. Your question is entirely valid, right? The, the, the classic one, well, the, the system's running out of memory and the system running slower. So uh, use cases. amongst those three tools, is there can, can we divide the, uh, them according to that functionality? That's a good point. So uh, electric fence and M-Patrol, matter of fact, uh, um, uh, electric fence, I think, has been forked again into another project called Duma. Um, but uh, that's a whole other thing. But uh, Valgrind, sorry, Val Valgrind is a, a tool that does both checking profiling so what what runs when and uh, it also do memory detection mm -hmm. matter of fact Valgrind has a pretty interesting architecture in that you can even write your own little plugins mm -hmm. and there's a sort of a growing For list of those automated um, analysis yeah semantic yeah. analysis so so let's talk about mpatrol for uh, a second that's used by a lot of embedded engineers because it has the widest target support i see the, the way these tools work especially for something like memory checking, mm -hmm. your memory profiling, is that they will uh, substitute malloc and free with their own malloc and free implementations. Okay, so let's let's step back for sure. a second and uh, talk about how the end user, um, w where's the starting point? I go to that open source, I oh. download certain um, stuff, right? What's that stuff? Is it a library? Oh, it that's a good point. So uh, it's, it's a library. And, an, and and usually an executable that you run your program in the context of. Okay. So uh, if those out there, there's your GDB server, you, you know, you yeah. do GDB server space, some information about your target space, right. name of your program. Yep. These tools work primarily the same same way, okay. except during link time, uh, when you're linking the program, you also have to link in a library and set up a few symbols. I see. Uh, so that when you do the compilation, it does properly substitute out. Um, so uh, you basically do the instrumentation by specifying flag during the compilation and yeah. then appropriate symbols from um, downloaded libraries for, let's say, Valgrind mm -hmm. uh, get uh, used, included by the yes. linker. Yep. And that's how you hook up to already existing routines like malloc, you said. Yes. Right? It's, it's kind of like piggybacking on, on mm -hmm. malloc functionality, uh, plugging in the hooks so mm -hmm. that um, you can... You can peek into the code as you execute. Yes, yeah, that's uh, exactly how it happens. Um, architecture, very smart. That's yeah. Architecture, yeah. it's a it's a clever implementation. Mm -hmm. And uh, and what what happens is then you run your program, and as malloc and free are called, uh, these programs say, okay, I can match this free with this malloc, mm -hmm. and as long as the count becomes zero, mm -hmm. well, then things look good. Uh, if you have a situation where you have a malloc, and that pointer is never passed back into free to get returned to the heap, then it'll flag that as an error. Oh, I see. And those sorts of problems are, by just by examining code, looking at it, are very difficult to spot. Uh, I'm, I'm sure. Yeah. Uh, and, and that's and it's even more so true whenever you have a, a program that depends on some 
libraries even that you've written internally that uh, that you know maybe produce they may malloc a pointer and they may expect someone else to free it later. Mm-hmm. And so even in the context of you looking at that library, you may be able to examine it and notate with your hands what's, you know, you know even right. notate that your mallets and freezer indeed match. But once you pass that pointer out to the wider world, uh, the user of that may not know the correct handling semantics and therefore may leak. Right. Well, uh, I, it's a good thing you just – so the thing I want to point about leak is that's a common technical term for whenever you have – uh, yeah. memory that you've allocated off off of the heap so off of the, the free yeah. store of memory that you never tell the memory manager that you're done with it right and therefore it can never it reuse can, that you can actually track it yeah so um working with uh, a lot of customers uh in the in the, in the linux domain um that that's been actually a a, a fairly common problem sure uh, amongst the applications and yeah. uh, the worst ones i guess are usually the ones that are um, as you said, um, not visible to um, the um, allocator and um, very difficult to track, very slow memory leaks. Mm-hmm. Uh, applications that are deployed in the field usually, like for example in the automation, um, they run nonstop for months, years. Yes. So every single memory leak um, can be really uh, uh, a very significant problem to the project. Sure, and when the, whenever those whenever you have those problems in the field, what I like least about that is is that the code will die, mm. and you don't know you really don't you're really not sure why, and it's very difficult to diagnose after the fact in the field, and right. so if you spend you know, a day or two or three or five, and you know, run through and make sure that you are in fact you know tight you're not leaking anything uh, you'll save a substantial amount of effort in the field right because unfortunately in most cases the the only way to um let's say get the application back on track mm-hmm. is to reset reset the board reset sure. the card and that's not always possible yeah and you know if you have a routine too that's leaking you know 10 bytes hmm. an hour right well, uh, you know, it's going to be a failure that that even the user may not perceive as being a, a software failure, and uh, and you know they just may view somehow the product as being very right. They'll, they'll form a bad view about the product itself, and and so so um, how how long? I mean, how much time does it take to ensure that there are no memory leaks in a you know, medium-sized application or small application. Let's yeah, the typical that. thing. So, if you you know, if you instrument something with mBatrol, right? mBatrol, uh, because it's dynamic, and this is where I want to talk about static mm-hmm. and static yeah. things in a second because this is important. Right. mBatrol, because it's a dynamic uh, system, really only checks the code that's run. Mm-hmm. So, the, the the interesting thing about that is, is that if you want to really memory check your program, you need to run every line of code. Right. And that's the interesting thing is you can get. Uh, and I'm going to talk a little bit later about profiling. Uh, mm-hmm. You can do pass counts online, so you can combine the two things together and get, you know, did I did I have all the coverage? Right. Did I leak memory? Right. You still won't say, did you get all of them? Right. Because if you're the the classic bitter QA person, just because you didn't find any defects under the under the cases that you tested it doesn't yeah. mean none exist. But in terms of the the time, it's important to point point out for a dynamic memory linker, you need to be able to make sure you have good code coverage. You really can never get 100% code coverage mm-hmm. unless your program is trivial in mm-hmm. size. Right. But you can certainly push towards that limit. Right. And 
um, and, and you'll find yourself putting a week or two of time into making sure that you did get the coverage you expected and you fixed your, your bugs. Some more um, uh, extensive programs, and especially uh, programs that were tested in, let's say, more of a real-time environment, mm -hmm. in those applications, um, customers tend to leave the instrumentation inside a code because removing that certain instrumentation would uh, offset timings. Um, what is the overhead Substantial of a typical Sub substantial substantial yeah and percent for Walgreens one hundred percent yeah one hundred percent wow. yeah you pay you pay with respect to performance um, uh, substantially I mean the, the code is the, the the projects aren't really designed to be run uh, there's two things you pay for right number one it does a lot of data collection mm -hmm. uh, so you have a, a startup substantially greater memory consumption yeah. as the as the program is running. And then uh, in order for it to do its tracking, you pay on every malloc and every free. Right. And for a lot of programs, that's a fairly substantial, uh, it's a fairly substantial penalty. Right. So I would not recommend you know, leaving something that's been instrumented yeah. or leaving the instrumentation. I would not recommend leaving the instrumentation in the code and sending it out to the field. Yeah. So there, there's actually, I guess we... The, the conclusion to to be drawn here is that um, there are there's some instrumentation that it's okay to leave inside the application, but when we when it comes down to uh, code analysis instrumentation, it's better to, to leave home without that. it. Yeah, yeah, you definitely want to leave home without that. No, no doubt about it. So uh, we talked about uh, Walgreens and um, tell me a bit about electric fence because. Uh, the name itself is, is very interesting. Oh, no. uh, do, do you plug it into an outlet? <laughs> no, 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 no. Yeah. no it, it was it was just designed. To, uh, the name of it was just uh, 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 out there to, to invoke the image of something that guarded your program. Yeah, yeah. And, and I did mention that I think I think the person that wrote that his last name was Parent. I can't. I, I just can't remember his name. And I, I know there's been a little bit of a fork for that. That's that's called Duma. And that's a slightly better. Let's detect unintended memory access. Mm -hmm. So, what, what are the differences but, between um, electric fence and Walgreens? How, how do they differentiate? Do they collect the different types of data? Well, what are the big? What are the? the, the they collect roughly the same data. So they mm -hmm. check for um, memory leaks and unintended unintended memory access, and mm -hmm. that's either access a, you know access to a pointer that hasn't been properly allocated. Which, if you think about it, can actually can yeah. suck up a lot of code, right. and they can also check for things like walking over the bounds of, a, of an array. Okay, um, that's a tricky one too. Yes, and so in any case, um, the differences come out in reporting and some of the documentation that's offered with the the software. And uh, and and in this case, you know, I I'm gonna have a preference towards uh, Valgren because the, it is documented better, mm -hmm. and it does have wider platform support uh, as well. Mm -hmm. uh, and Valgren is designed so that you can you know create your own plugins and do other sort of operations on the code okay. which it's running. So um, I guess we talked about uh, the performance impact and, and all that and how you instrument, but. Um, is there a, a graphical interface? How, how do I how do I watch all those references? How, is it is it a command line based? Is it um, so yeah. I run my application right? I have it instrumented, but um, is there like so, some sort of a yeah, visualization tool? Yeah, there's there's parsers for these. Uh, there's oh, typically it's not part of the tool itself. I know something like you know electric fence and M control. 
they still I'll put memory in a big text file and and have you go fish and look at it for yourself uh, as to what the problems are. Okay, uh-huh. so in in that case, actually having a, a very good documentation um, that explains where to look and what to look for yes. is is really critical. Yeah, it is. And you said that Walgreens is, is has by far the best yeah. documentation in that mm-hmm. regard. Yeah. Uh, you, know, uh, I guess, because I want to make sure that we get the uh, stuff covered in time. But yeah. there, there's also some really interesting static tools to talk about. Mm-hmm. Um, I know. <clears throat> excuse me. I know when we talk about a static tool, what we're really talking about is something that looks at the code without ever running it, and okay. then based upon uh, creating a parse tree and looking at certain semantic contextual problems, can then say your code has some defects in it. Mm-hmm. So there's some sort of a disassembly of a code that's happening, mm-hmm. yeah. um, but at the uh, code level. I mean, mm-hmm. not not binary. Is, is it disassembly of binary or is it disassembly of the source code? Source code. Mm-hmm. It it doesn't at all look at the um, at the target. I'm sorry. It doesn't all look at the object code. So that that really doesn't. That's really not part of the analysis. Um, things that need to run the code are well dynamic tools, and so. Okay, so since this is static, um, is there an, any kind of instrumentation that's happening there as well? No, not at all. Not at all, right? So there, there's no library that I linked with um, to, to get the um, uh, information from um, a malloc routine, let's say. That's correct. On allocation. Yeah, that's correct. Right, so how is it done? So, so I'll give you that. So the granddaddy of this is called Lint. Lint. And Lint has Lint been around. Splint. Pardon me? Lint Splint. Yeah, it's, uh, <laughs> no, 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 no. So, no, well, it's a different. Name? No, you got it. So, Splint is the uh, is the is the open source um, takeoff of that. I'm sorry, I I missed you there for a second. <laughs> no, so Lint is the open source implementation. Lint came out, you know, late '70s out of Bell Laboratories, mm-hmm. uh, and and they used the tool internally for a while for their projects and operations, and then the the GNU implementation that for that is called Splint, and that that is entirely a, a static tool. And uh, what it'll do is it'll check for things like null to references because it can look at the code and decide whether a pointer has an assignment before it's been to reference by walking through the parse tree and figuring out times when that is that's possible. Um, it also looks it, it, it does uh, something re- very interesting uh, is it'll look for things like improper memory handling. So if you take a, a pointer that is stack assigned and you assign it to something that's a pointer that's globally assigned. Or sorry, a, glo- a pointer with global scope, mm-hmm. it'll bark at you for that as well. Yeah, uh, and that's I mean that uh, that that gets people right. Oh, absolutely. Uh, people make that mistake frequently, and or as a matter of fact, any any stack pointer assignment that's assigned to something that uh, persists longer than the stack, it'll mm-hmm. complain about. Mm-hmm. I, I use global as a way. Of- well, but then again, when you when you talk about static static uh, allocations and um, w- when you explicitly call malloc on things, that's that's fairly simple, I guess, to track in a um, you know offline. I mean, without necessarily executing the application. Mm-hmm. But when you have uh, issues like allocating a memory dynamically mm-hmm. as your application needs it, or um, when you have an array that you want to allocate dynamically, mm-hmm. um, I don't think that Lint would be very helpful in that scenario. Oh, no, no, no. It doesn't. It, the important thing to point out is that it doesn't do things like leak detection. Right. Uh, and it's never even designed to leak, leak detection. Um, mm-hmm. It's just designed to check for semantic issues. References. Yeah, yeah, references and 
mis- misuse, things like, uh, again, out-of-bounds issues. So ideally, you would use both a, a mix of um, a static and dynamic tools in, um, in trying to uh, get the full coverage of... Um your application, I mean, ensure that there are no memory leaks and, and that your code is semantically correct. Sure. No, no, exa- exactly. Because neither one of them, you know, something like M-Patrol or Valgrind or Electric Fence couldn't possibly do what right. Lint does. And other way around, I mean, Lint can do some of the things and they can all, they said, there's a, when we started at the beginning, it's like, well, yeah. are they mutually exclusive? It's like, no, there's, there's an overlap. And so they do overlap. Right. But, but one of these tools definitely uh, won't be able to replace the, the you know the features and functionalities in the other, right? So we talked about uh, uh, Lint and Splint. Splint being an uh, open source version of Lint, mm-hmm. um, but there 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 are more static uh, analysis tools in the uh, yeah, open you, source community. Yeah, and you know one great, in particular, right? Yeah, well, which one's that? Uh, Gprof. Oh, that's a good point. Yeah, right? that's that's um, I think um, the most popular. Uh, Tool or static analysis tool that that I've seen amongst the customers that I that I talk to. Yeah. Now the other thing you see about Gprof is that it does primarily profiling. Right. And uh, by profiling, it'll tell you what line runs when and how long it took. Well, right. So uh, I'm thinking right now it's not a static uh, analysis tool. It's more of a dynamic because you do uh, um, data collection at the at the runtime, right? And yeah. then analysis um, after you run the um, the application. Yeah, yeah. So th- yeah, I would ca- I yeah. would definitely categorize that in the dynamic crowd. I know one of the reasons we didn't sort of talk about it too much is that we were sort of interested in the memory issues, and I. Anyway, I was sort of going down that track, and I, I, I did want to mention Gpro. I, I did as 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 part so, of the family. So sorry for actually bring, bringing that bringing it up right now, but uh, well, it, it might be just a, a confusion again on my part because there are yeah. so, so many choices, right? You, you can open source offers so many tools that do certain things, but not um, let's say. Um, well, not, I wanted to say that 100% of what you want, but mm-hmm. um, they, they do certain specific things that uh, you have to be aware of when you yeah. select those tools. Well, yeah, and that, I mean, that's, that's part of the, the Unix tradition, right? It's do one thing and do it do it well. Do well yeah. uh, the, the unfortunate side effect of that is that you generally have to figure out a whole, about a whole bunch of different programs in order to, to do you know, some work well, right, right. in total. But it's interesting you bring up Gprof. Um, and you're right that that's used by a lot of engineers, and that's a tool that you can find your inner loop, mm-hmm. right? Yeah, it, it's actually very um, efficient in yeah. that regard. Yeah, and it's 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 and it's frighteningly easy to use, right? Uh, you know, you just compile and you just use uh, dash g. You turn on mm-hmm. uh, debugging, right? And you do dash pg, and you run your program, right? And the the only real constraint is that whenever your program's done running, you need to make sure that uh, exit is called. Mm-hmm. Because Gprof hooks the the exit um, exit routine. Uh, GCC has a system where you can you know, specify an exit routine, and what it'll do is it'll write a program called gmon.out. Right. And that file you can either read yourself, but there's that one. I know there's there's a couple interesting uh, tools. One of them is uh, Kprof, mm-hmm. which is a, a reader. Yep. And then I know Time Timesys is also integrated. Uh, Gprof mm-hmm. into Timestorm right. as well. It'll run Gprof and scrape the data and show it on in, in your in your source code. You know what what was run when. 
So the interesting part of, about GPROF that you actually already mentioned, but mm -hmm. I just wanted to highlight it, yeah, yeah, yeah. is that you don't have to go to a specific website to get um, additional content for GPROF, right? That's correct. It, it's a flag in a, in a compiler. Mm -hmm. You turn it on, and you get additional information. It's part of GCC. Yeah, chances are it's already there. Yeah. Uh, tech, you know, I know you can compile GCC without it. Uh, I don't know many people that do that. That's kind of mean. Um, I think that this is a default option, right, that gets built into GCC when you just call make on GCC. Yes. Yeah. If you want to turn off GProf, you have to say, you know, no no profiling. I think something along those mm -hmm. lines. So it's it's rare that the GCC is built without the without the profiling. Mm -hmm. um, yeah. Yeah. So it is. It, it's a tool that everyone has. Um, the unfortunate, I should say, unfortunate part is. Uh, well, there's two unfortunate parts actually. So one unfortunate part is people don't take advantage of it, mm -hmm. which is disappointing because it's it's a great tool and it's it's right there. And the the other part, well, but I uh, to comment on on that, I, I think that not a lot of people are aware. I mean, newbies to to developing with um, GCC and Linux. Oh, sure. That, that GProf is there. So. Yeah, yeah. They just don't know it's there, and it's it's sort of hidden inside of. Um, Sort of hidden inside the the compiler and the whole GCC, that uh, it's overwhelming to some extent because yeah. of the number of tools and uh, that that each GCC comes with, mm -hmm. and, and GProf is not really listed as one of the tools. No, it's really embedded inside, and it, yeah. it's switchable with a flag. Yeah, yeah, that's, that, that is a yeah, it's a good point. It's it's just it's so it's going back to GProf, right? Yeah. Uh, so what is it? So one of the bad things is people don't know about it. Oh, and the other bad thing is that sometimes when people know about it, they really don't know what it does very well, mm. uh, and so they run it and and they they just don't understand the output, and they're looking for something different, and then mm. therefore they think the tool isn't good uh, because they they're really not sure of what it was supposed to do for them in the in the first place. Right. So what you're saying is that there is no good documentation for GPref. There's great documentation. There is. Yes. Again. Fantastic documentation. You visit GNU.org. Uh, Fantastic documentation. It's, okay. You've got to read it, though. Right. Um, so you got to read it. Uh, I, you know, we're getting the – I have a couple other things I want to mention. I know we're, again, running over time-wise again. But um, uh, I, I did want to mention there's a couple – there's another interesting static analysis tool called Uno. Uno. Uno, yeah. And that is Italian. for uh, – uh, an tool. <laughs> what was that? An Italian tool. <laughs> <laughs> no, uh, well, I, you know what? I don't know. It could be, right? Okay. But it's it, it, the it unpacks the uninitialized, you know, null pointer and out of bound tracking, and that is a I would say reduced functionality tool, like uh, re reduced functionality that Lint has to offer. Mm -hmm. um, but it works rather well, and it's it's actually quite popular. It, 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 it's. Uh, it's out there a lot, and I haven't gets, heard about it. it. Gets a lot of use. <laughs> I don't do enough research. I guess, no, well, it, it gets a lot of use, and it's a it's a very good, you know, lightweight tool that does just those yeah. three things and does them it does very them very well. well. Yeah. Uh, and and the one other thing is, as you know, in my research to make sure I had a complete set, I ran across something very interesting called Sparse, and mm. uh, Sparse is a project, a kernel project out there that does semantic checking of C. And it does that by building a parse tree of some C code, and then that's run over some other filters. And, and it's one of those kernel tools that was out there to do code analysis against the kernel. And so I, I, this morning, and maybe we'll have another little 
podcast about that for the whatever. Yeah, but, that, that's actually um, an interesting topic because uh, having a, a parsing tool embedded inside the Linux kernel that's um that that would be actually neat um the question that i would have is um again what's the overhead of, of sparse right and <sighs> and how does it uh influence other other functionality as as we know um kernel's got a, a lot of debugging mechanisms available to you mm-hmm. um you can turn them on and off through configuration but um they all um have some sort of influence on on the overall behavior so yeah, yeah it was fascinating so i wanted to get into a little bit more research there one of the things that i found out that was semi-interesting about this is that it has its own built-in uh c parser so it does yeah. it, it'll build a complete parse tree for you and uh but but it does so without using you know lex or yak hmm. because you know lex and yak work on context-free grammars right. if you're into that sort of stuff you know what that means and and then um however uh sparse wants the context right it's not interested in a context free grammar by def- by default it, mm-hmm. it's interested in the in the context in which yeah. th- these grammatical constructs occur so i'll dig into that and I'll, I'll report back uh, maybe next uh next podcast sounds great i, I think chance. that we have um a, a, another material for another uh, podcast but uh again um uh, listeners, please let us know if um, there are other topics that you would like us to cover during during our uh, regular podcast um, episodes, and uh, we would be very happy to uh, address uh, your questions or, or, or suggestions and, and dive more into topics that interest you the most. Yeah, we get a, a surprising amount of email. At, you can you can drop us a line at podcast at timesys dot com. That's podcast at timesys dot com. And when we get a mail in, uh, we we definitely you know, we, we read all of them, um, and, and and we reply to the ones that that we can. Mm-hmm. Unfortunately, we can't re- reply to all of them, and that really does help us figure out what to talk about for for our episodes. Mm-hmm. Um, it's and we and we just love hearing from you. So. Um, um, and, and just wanted to add to that that um, we we have stopped doing that for some time now, but we're going to back to a routine where we're going to share some of the of your comments live. Uh, I mean, on our on our podcast, and we'll we'll address some of the questions um, during during our regular episodes. Yeah, I know we've been lax with that, and yeah. um, and so just because I guess we don't call things out specifically doesn't mean we we haven't been really adjusting. You know, we talk about whenever we get some feedback from folks saying, hey, this is important to me and I'm interested in hearing about this this sort of content. So, again, if you have any questions and comments, please feel free to write. Just We'd love to hear from you. We very much would love to, yeah. yeah. And so I think I, I think that uh, wraps us up. And, uh, again, we're going to be talking more about tools uh, for our next, uh, next couple of webinars. So if you have any suggestions, things you want to hear about, you know, let us know. Thanks a lot. Thanks. This podcast was brought to you by Timesys. Are you new to embedded Linux or looking for a way to simplify your next project? The Linux Link service by Timesys makes it easy to build your custom embedded Linux platform. Go to timesys.com or call 866-392-4897 to learn more.